Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Pat Greiner. She has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. If we were going to video, I would have liked put makeup on and tried to read shit without my glasses and, you know, stuff like that. I do that anyway. Just because it's hard to wear glasses with headphones on. It's hard, but I can't see my phone. So, and it's either that or go. The book I read today was, um, uh, hold on. (laughs) You got T-Rex arms. (laughs) I know. My, I'd have to take my bra off so I could make my arms go out further. I don't think we need to go there. (laughs) Somebody might get hurt. (laughs) No, no book girls were harmed in the recording of this podcast. Donna, I'm so pleased that you could join us today. I find that hard to believe, but no, it's true. It is. It's actually very true. You've been on. And my reaction was like, "Cool, I get to be on with Donna because she's fun." That she's is funny. Ex- that is exactly <laughs> what she said too. You've been on my pretty, list for a while. We have on as the, the same thing when you text me and said, "Who should we have on as a guest?" And you, Donna, Thank with you. the fro- with the tree frog tongue, <laughs> tree frog picking up with that. Uh, Use tongue to pick up pastries. Oh, oh yeah. She said that she's that funny. That's how she always picks them up. I told her she had a frog like, tongue. Yeah. Like Ariana Grande. Every time I go to a donut place, I have to lick them all to see which one I want. <laughs> you probably poke all the chocolates too, don't you? Yeah. Right. Gotta like see what kind of, of cream's inside. Yeah. One of my favorite things that I remember from Jeopardy was right be- like in the months before I went on, I thought, God, I better bone up on like current events because I'm not always good about keeping up on stuff. And I was like, so instead of you, because I used to use Yahoo for my portal into into uh, the internet all the time, and I would just get distracted reading stupid celebrity news. So it was like I should be doing MSN or something, CNN. I should use somebody else's portal, but I never really did. And when I got on Jeopardy. There were no current event questions, but by God, I got the question they asked about Ariana Grande licking the donut. (laughs) (laughs) Well, your business is your life. Yeah. Yeah. Let's face it, you guys. Having stupid information in your brain and having it pay off for any reason is a major rush. Why don't we start off the day by shouting out our Patreon people? No, I just always forget because we were talking, we are always talking about something weird and disgusting and kind of hard well, to yeah. blend that in to uh people that we like <laughs> <laughs> from the weird and the disgusting to people who what does megan always say help rock our world she, she always huh? says like and subscribe is right that, oh rate like and subscribe but back to patreon because we love our patreon members they help us buy new equipment and pay for our lovely podcast Mm-hmm. So that we don't have to. So that we don't have to um, go out to corner of I-44 and Northwest Expressway and um, hold up a sign. <laughs> Need money to support my podcast. <laughs> yeah. Somehow I don't think that that would get me very much money. I'm just going to do first names because okay. some of these last names I probably would not be able to. All right. Heather, Brandy, Allison, Phyllis, Abby. Meredith, Brittany, Jamie, Morgan, Farah, Megan, Annie, Monica, Taylor, Lacey, and Shona. That's Shona L for people who listen all the time. The original. The original Shona. So thank you for everyone who contributes to our Patreon. We really appreciate your support. And And that you would actually pay to listen to us bullshit with our extra episodes and our um stuff that wouldn't fit in whichever week you know it's funny because just say outtakes okay outtakes outtakes. there are very few things we would actually leave out because it's too sensitive Mm, (laughs) i I think think there were some personal things 
that Vonnie's well, like personal things definitely but there's some things that were I was like oh that's too dirty to put on the podcast you better cut that out that was a little too gross oh yeah well you know dirty as in gross dirty not sexually dirty we leave all that shit in yeah you bet we do I'm very sweary today what's up with that you know what I talked to my sister that's why is your did your sister prime the pump yeah She's, I'm always very sweary after I talk to my sister. We had to grow your own boyfriend. You ever seen those, Donna? I, I think I might have just sent that to you. I don't know. It's sent in the five fab. Is, is it? That, is that one of those sponge things? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But in the TikTok video, I'll send it to you. It actually Donna. turns into so a real guy. I was trying to remember because somebody, I want to say it was a, a stand up comedian, and I can't remember who it was. Somebody that I've seen lately was talking about, or was it an Orange is the New Black, which I've been rewatching. Anyway, somebody was talking, they didn't have a tampon, so they used one of those sponge grow your own dinosaur things. <gasps> oh, oh my God. If that's on Nor- Orange is the New Black, I do not remember it. I do not remember that. So, oh. You know, those. You know that, what? Have you ever actually, no, I don't think you probably have. Have you ever tried doing one of those grow your own dinosaurs? Yes. They are extremely oh, yeah. slimy. I can't imagine oh. having one of those up in there, if you know what I mean. They're slimy <laughs> and they're not really all that soft. They're not like spongy. Yeah, they're, they're a like weird texture. Mm. Like, God. like it would like disintegrate in your. I don't know. I don't know if it would you. disintegrate, but it would, it definitely. Oh. Yeah, I suppose you in a pinch, you might be able to use your boyfriend for that. Use your own, the grow your own boyfriend <laughs> one. Oh, that's disgusting. My boyfriend doesn't have access to that kind of crap. I mean, you know, if I had a boyfriend, he wouldn't have access to that when Aunt Flo was in town because. But it's it's kind of an interesting concept, though, to have realtors who cater to specific kind of people like. Because they might have different needs than. Like somebody who will just say books, like people who are big readers, like, and you can go to a realtor hey. that you, has all that you, in mind. You, you shop so it can for- show you places that have built-in bookshelves, oh. good reading nooks and stuff like that. So what we really need to do is three book girls needs to open their own real estate agency is what you're exactly. saying. Mm-hmm. Or just- or- Go all pool all our resources and buy that house that you guys sent around a while ago with the library. Yeah, was that, that house was sweet. Was that like in Scotland or somewhere? Just live there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's our island. Our we'll pri- just dig a moat right around it. Yeah, will be our new exercise routine. You have to go out for thirty minutes and dig <laughs> for the moat. <laughs> <laughs> for the moats that okay, goes around honey, our it's house. Okay, honey, your turn with the shovel. <laughs> We're all old. We just have to get a. a just hire somebody that is a trench digger. <laughs> <laughs> Screw that. I don't want back problems at my age. Then we'll get some uh, some of those grow your own boyfriends and then give them shovels as soon as they're all the way as soon as hydrated. As soon as they're hydrated. You know what? I'm really so thinking. Go dig <clears throat> without your shirt, please. <laughs> <laughs> now we're just objectifying men and that's that's. I know. I'm sorry. Although we do that all the time. Your dog is snoring again. I can hear her. <laughs> she is. You want me to wake her up and give her a treat? Yes. I actually brought the treats right here. Here? Do you, can you hear her, Donna? You don't have headphones on, so you probably wouldn't be able to hear her, but she's... Digestive support. I need those. Can people take those? <laughs> you need some of those? Yeah, They I smell do. like pumpkin pie. They smell oh. really good. Pumpkin spice. Yeah, dog oh. biscuits. I'll eat them. I wish I had smell-o-vision so you could smell this, Donna. <laughs> Where's my camera? <laughs> it kind of looks a little flaccid. Hey, it's ribbed for your pleasure. Ribbed for your pleasure. <laughs> All right, there you go. Gave her a treat. Now she's hopping down, so she'll go gnaw on that for a while. Stop sniffing your fingers. That's gross. Smells <laughs> so good. <laughs> Should we move forward? Should we get into the reason we're here? Make a show. Yes, please. Let's make a show. Let's have some some book action up in here. All right, Bonnie, what are you... Um, Anything good this week? Well, I kind of read a book 
that you had been talking about that I guess is kind of buzzy right now. And I know a lot of people like don't really like this book that much, but I kind of liked it. It's called The Maid by Nita Prose. Donna, you're on the on the tribe call. A lot of people are talking about this book. Yeah, right. Um, I read it a few weeks ago, and I think a couple other people have too. Did you like it? I did. I don't think I loved it, but I liked it. I thought the the Molly character was just so intriguing. I liked the Molly character too, yes. Yeah. And mainly that's why I like the book is because she's so interesting, even yeah. though she's quirky, which I'll talk about in a minute. The main character in this, Molly Gray, is kind of a different kind of person. I would say that she's definitely OCD. And I think maybe she might be a little autistic just because she, the way she interprets people and interacts with people is very, very different than normal. But she's smart. I, I mean, she's she's not stupid or anything. And um, she lives with her or lived with her grandma because I her mom, well, her mom's not there. Her mom ran off. She has no interaction with her mom. I don't know if she ran off with a guy or for drugs and never really quite safe or not. And they give hints to it throughout the book, why she's not in the picture. And dad's never been around. I don't even think she really knows who her dad is. Her grandma raised her. The book starts and her grandma had died a couple of months before, prior. And she is a maid in like a pretty fancy hotel. And she's very particular about her job, takes great pride in making sure everything's clean. She's a bit of a clean freak, to tell you the truth. Everything has to be perfect. And uh, there's some people at her job that like her, some people who don't like her. And she kind of gets mixed up with some shady characters and ends up basically being a drug mule without her knowledge and then somebody at the hotel ends up dead and it's one of the regular um, guests of the hotel that she always cleans their room and the wife of the person who died she kind of has a passing relationship with but because she interprets things differently she considers her a really good friend and all of that comes into play in the investigation of the murder. People try to bend the truth to make it seem like she had more to do with the murder. And it sometimes it makes you wonder through the book exactly what she knows and what she doesn't and what she's not telling. But, and it, that's basically what it's about. It's about people thinking that they could take advantage of her because she is a little bit different and her kind of figuring this out that I, it was just really good. And like I said, I liked the Molly character. Um, I liked the doorman. I can't think of his name. The doorman character was good. And actually, you know, the, um, the rich wife, I kind of liked her character too. She was one of those ones that you kind of liked cautionary with caution. You liked her, but you always kind of kept her, at a distance because you're like she might be the bad guy not quite sure but yeah it was it was really good I, the writing was really easy to read um expressive the characters were deep which you know that i like the characters that are well built so you can really get a feel for them and it was it was a great book I don't know if I'd give it a full five stars, probably only four and a half, because there were a few little things in it that were a stretch <clears throat> to believe. But I mean, I would recommend this to a friend. I liked it. But the way that she interacts with people is almost like what Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory interacts with people. Like he, she doesn't read people's expressions and she doesn't get sarcasm and like she's very proper with her wording when she's talking to somebody or she talks like an old lady, basically. 
Hmm. And the OCD is definite because she is very particular about her cleaning and her routine and everything else. And she gets a little, a little frazzled when it doesn't go quite right, how she expects, but not so much that she freaks out, if that makes sense. And really the book is about the, the murder itself and the murder mystery and about all of these people who are around this very rich, prominent guy who is found dead at the hotel and trying to figure out what happened and who killed him, basically. So, Well, and my feeling about the book was that the murder mystery was interesting, but the book wouldn't have been as interesting if it weren't for Molly. No, definitely not. If it just had been a hotel maid who found his body, just, you know, a regular maid. But it would have been Cheryl who found the body, who is a yeah. character in the book. It wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been as good. Definitely not. Yeah. It like kind you of said, sounds... some people were turned off by Molly, but I, to me, she was the most compelling reason. Yeah. yeah. I, the way you're describing it kind of makes me think about the serious, uh, serious something dog in the nighttime curious incident to the dog thank in the you nighttime. thank you i knew it was some, yeah. something something did you read it Pat? somebody like that yeah, yeah i read it does that sound familiar does it sound like it might be kind of well he's, the he's very definitely autistic and the yeah, narrator that was that really helpful. that one was really hard yeah. for me to read too i couldn't listen to it i had to stop oh. i had to like get the actual copy of the book to read that i i just i didn't do it on audio. I listened yeah. to it, and I thought it. I thought it was wonderful. I thought he did such an amazing job of capturing the autistic point of view, mm. or what I would guess that's like, because I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, it was good, and the Molly character definitely made the whole book. I liked the Molly character. Like I said, there was a few things that were a little inauthentic in parts of it, and that's why I wouldn't give it five full stars, but. I definitely like the book. I don't remember who said good. that. Somebody in the tribe was talking about how they didn't, how it didn't ring true, how it sounded. I don't remember who it was that read at that time that we were, we were all talking about it, but I remember those comments specifically. Infer. Come to their own conclusions about that. Yeah. So, but I, I liked it. it. I, I liked, liked it. it too, so. And that again was called The Maid by Nita Prose. Excellent. Sorry, that was kind of a long review. That's okay. I'll cut it. <clears throat> Maybe. Who knows? Cut the bad things. I'll might be the high point. point. Yeah, really. <laughs> you huh? never know. Might be the high point. Donna might stink up the room. <laughs> So maybe it's good we don't have smell of vision. Yeah. Speaking of stinking up the room, I think it might be your turn, Donna. <laughs> oh. Well, thank you for having me back on the podcast. We love you. Of course, we'd have you back. Yeah. I was shocked because of my dismal performance on my first outing, but dismal. You dismal? was awesome. Are you kidding? I was not. You were. If it I was said, dismal, we wouldn't ask you back. We'd be going, "Oh, Donna." I no. said, "You know." I said, uh, "You know," at least 150 times in one hour. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm heavily medicated, so hopefully it won't happen this time. <laughs> Well, you have to be heavily medicated to deal with us. I was going to yeah. say, yeah, you need a little something, something to get through this crap. You guys I mean, this big, isn't just coffee. You guys are such big celebrities. It made me nervous. So. <laughs> <laughs> celebrities in our own mind, maybe. Okay. So what'd you read? Anything good? Okay. Um, I wanted to talk about a book I read a few weeks ago. It's called Notes on an Execution by an author I'd never heard of before, Danya. Kukafka. It's D-A-N-Y-A. The last name is spelled K-U-K-A-F-K-A. It came out, I think, in January of this year. And the book opens in a prison cell of a man named Ansel Packer. He's on death row. He's scheduled to be executed in 12 hours. And he's a convicted serial killer who killed three young women about two decades earlier and then another woman later in his life. He doesn't want to die, and he's been spending all his time on death row writing this manifesto, although he gets really upset when, when anybody refers to it as a manifesto, like he's the Unabomber or something. He thinks he's much better than that, and he's convinced that this 
manifesto will lead people to better understand him and, and celebrate him. But this isn't a typical serial killer novel because after this first chapter, when we learn about Ansel and learn that he's going to die in 12 hours, the author sets him aside. Although she goes back to him several times during the book, as his execution gets closer and closer, there's sort of countdown on his chapters that tells five hours left, yeah. you know, three hours. But what the book does, which I think is really interesting, is it spends most of his time with the women in Ansel's life, going back, looking at how their lives impacted him and how he in turn affected them. So the first person we meet, the first woman we meet is his mother, Lavender. And it goes back in time to when she is 17 years old. She's just given birth to Ansel. She's in a heartbreaking situation. Mary Ansel's father is violent and abusive. And she's just, she's lost. I mean, they live out in the country and she's in this house and she has no car. They have no power. They have no phone. And she's got Ansel, who's I think two. And then she just gives birth to another son. And she, just to save her own life, flees. She leaves and leaves Ansel and his younger brother behind. She just, she can't take it anymore. So obviously that's going to be a big factor in Ansel's life. And then the, the next woman we come in contact with, her name is Saffron. She's an Indian American. She's a homicide detective who's obsessed with finding out who killed these three young women. And she has a growing suspicion that the killer could be Ansel, who she was in foster care with when they were children oh. and bullied her incessantly. So she knows Ansel. And the more investigating she does, the more she becomes obsessed with the idea that Ansel is this serial killer. And so the next person, the next woman we hear from is um, a woman named Hazel and her twin sister marries Ansel. And Hazel's forced to watch her sister, who's also her best friend, kind of fade away from her because she's come into this orbit that Ansel has and she instantly dislikes him and and knows there's something kind of insidious about him. So the book goes back and forth between Ansel, Lavender, Safi, and Hazel. And as that happens, we start to get a bigger picture of Ansel's life and the lives of these women. And as I said before, they they check in with Ansel from time to time. And there's sort of an interesting subplot where Ansel is convinced he can seduce this female prison guard into helping him escape before he's executed. Oh he's God. been sort of grooming her for, for quite a while and he's convinced that she's gonna help him escape. So we've, you've got that sort of tension ratcheting up too as he gets closer and closer. I mean, I think what we learn from these women's stories is that while we don't sympathize with Ansel, but you get a deeper understanding of how he ended up like he was and why he did what he did. I mean, obviously his traumatic childhood didn't make him into a sociopath. I mean, but it certainly didn't help. I mean, a lot of yeah. people have traumatic childhoods and they don't become serial killers, but having a traumatic childhood is a common factor along, along with a lot of other serial killers. And I think what's interesting about the book is it, it kind of shines a light in an interesting way on, on our fascination as a culture with serial killers. I mean, there's, there are documentaries and there are news specials and podcasts. You know, we're just, yeah. And this, and the whole true crime, you know, fascination that we have right now, it, this, this book kind of turns it, turns it on its head because these programs and, and books focus on the killer for the most part. And, you know, what makes him tick? And it's almost always a him, of course, a white male. You know, what makes them tick? Why are they that way? And our fascination with evil without really 
taking a long look at how that affects the people around them. We're more interested in the person, the killer, than we are the lives of the people he has ruined. And it's funny that you say that because Megan, when she reads a book about serial killers, she gets really pissed off if they spend too much time on the victim. She wants to know about the crime. Mm -hmm. She often yeah, said, she said it a bunch of times when she's been reviewing a book. She's like, yeah, tell me about the crime. I just want to know about that. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, we kind of have romanticized them in a way. Did you and any of you watch that series, I think on Netflix called Manhunter, which is yes. so compelling. But it was really I mean, good. it's it's very it very much romanticizes serial killers and and makes them so fascinating. And you kind of feel kind of crummy watching it because you're so fascinated by them. But but again, this book kind of turns that around and the emphasis is on how this man has ruined the lives of so many women around him. And and it, and again, although we don't although we don't feel sorry for Ansel, the book also kind of horrified by the concept of execution. I mean, as you see this clock tick down, I'm against the death penalty. Maybe some people who are pro-death penalty wouldn't find it that way, but it just kind of emphasizes the horror of state-sanctioned executions too. So, I mean, it brings up a lot of issues, but it, it was very compelling. It was really riveting. I think I read it in a couple of days. I'd probably give it a, I don't, I don't think I gave it five stars, but I, it would be a solid four and a half for me. So um, again, this is Notes on an Execution and the author is Danya Kukafka. Do you think that there was, are there a lot of descriptions of abuse and like that kind of behavior in it? Would it be a, a um, trigger, warning. trigger warning for somebody who's been abused, do you think? Well, certainly Lavender's story with her abusive husband is, but again, an interesting thing about this book is we don't, she doesn't, the author doesn't delve into the killings. The killings happened. It's not, it, there are no descriptions of the killings. We don't, there are sections of the book where they find the bodies, for example, but because you're not seeing the story through Ansel, you're not seeing the killings. Oh, I see. Okay. It's not hung up on the killings and what Ansel did. It's hung up on the people around him and how what he did affected them. Interesting. That would be interesting because, you know, you don't hear a lot about the people around the serial killers, the people that they like were friends with or whatever, mm -hmm. who aren't, who are law abiding citizens, let's just say, and aren't sociopaths. I have kind of a theory on the reason that people are so hyper fixated on that. I think it's because if you fear something, then the more you learn about it, the more comfortable you are. So it's like a way of protecting yourself if you're a woman is to know as much as you can about that subject so that you don't ever run into that situation. That's just, I mean, because I felt that way. That's why I read so many horror novels when I was young, because I was terrified of vampires. And the more I read about them, the more I realized, okay, yeah, this is not really a thing. And I felt more comfortable the more I read, and that it's the more ridiculous it sounded to me, and then I felt okay about it. So I think in the case of some young women, I think that's definitely true. The reason that they're so fixated on it is they're afraid that it's actually going to happen to them. And that's mm -hmm. their way of watching out for the signs. But that's just my theory. Instead of like what you learned in school about not talking to strangers, not getting into vans with people you don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, just think about it. Think of Ted. Unless, you're, no, unless just they're going to a really rad party. <laughs> just listen. Women are, by, by and large, very, we're helpful. We are kind. If a man wearing a cast is trying to take his groceries into the house and he drops his groceries, you're not just going to stand there and watch him. You're going to help because that's how we're raised. We're raised to be kind. Even if our spidey sense is going, you dumb fucker, don't, 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 don't. You're still pushing it down. You know, you're saying, I feel uncomfortable, but I have to help. 
So in a way, reading about things like this, like Ted Bundy and his cast, because he had a cast on his arm, and some of the things that he would do in order to trap women into doing something that they would never normally do. Yeah, but see, I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't you would, you, and, and I wouldn't either. But groceries into a house for somebody. If I saw somebody struggling to put something into a van because they had a cast on, I wouldn't automatically ask to help. I'd say, oh, do you want me to go get somebody from the store to help you with that? Well, that would be the smart thing to do. But this is the re- what I'm saying is this is the reason we like reading about it because that situation might not have come up in our mind as mm. something that would be dangerous. So now it's in the toolbox. You know, we're 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 going to know just cuz a guy has a cast on his arm does not make him um safe. Just because he looks like he's disabled doesn't mean he isn't a threat because you don't know if he's really disabled or not and so on. But I get that from the news well, too, though, yeah. not just books. Yeah. The news is terrifying. You want a horror novel yes, or a horror is. flick, just watch the freaking news. Well, true crime. There you are. Those are the real monsters. And that's why well, you have to- and, and serial killers often prey on women who aren't, who are, in a disadvantageous position. Mm-hmm. It's often prostitutes or blue collar young women or, you know. Yeah. See, I'm saying no again. Okay, thanks. I'll cut <laughs> it out, don't worry about it. Now that I know that it bugs you, I'll cut it out. It's fine. But anyway, um, yeah, it sounds fascinating. I, I was just curious as to if it was gonna make me super sad. Yeah. Cause it does sound like- <laughs> something I would like to read but I'm if it's gonna make me super sad I don't want to read it it's not a comic serial killer novel dang it (laughs) yeah it's not funny no I like serial killer novels I just don't like the ones that are like super abusive no and again because it's not it doesn't follow his story as much as other people's stories it doesn't I don't think it's it would be quite as much of a trigger as some books might be it's it's an interesting portrayal of a killer and and the people around him so sounds like a rachel kind of book i bet she'd like it i'll take yeah. your word for it. she likes those murdery books yes she does some of the books that she sent me i i had to like pace them out because i needed a break between that <laughs> we love you rachel i don't think oh, there are I... any serial killers in your book there are there are no uh, except of course ones who might be played on stage or in the movies I should say, though, this book should probably have trigger warnings for anyone who's ever sat through a bad acting class. Uh, (laughs) I had an experience when I was in college, and part of the acting class consisted of them dividing half of, divided the class in half. Half of us had to, we made a heap of ourselves. I mean, we all just piled up in the center of the room. And we were rags, and the other half of the class were rag pickers, and they would have to pick us rags up and drag us around the room. I never did figure out what that was supposed to teach me about acting, especially because I was a rag and not a rag picker. So it was like, I'm just taught, taught, taught you how to yeah. get uh, floor stains out of your jeans, I guess. Yeah, it was. maybe <laughs> that was it. They were just buffing the floor, and they were cheap about it. But yeah. uh, The dust mop broke. They needed to be cleaning. So the book I read is called The Method, How the 20th Century Learned to Act. And it is, method acting was a big thing in the 50s, 60s, 70s. It's not so much a big thing anymore. But this is a book about the history and it's it's a pretty serious, I mean, it's got like a hundred pages of notes and, and bibliography and stuff. This is, it's by Isaac Butler. The first third of the book, is all about the Russian theater, about Stanislavski and the Moscow Art Theater, which is where method acting came from. So that that first third is a little tougher to get a, a connection. I mean, it's, it it's mentions names, you know, it's like Chekhov was their playwright who was associated with the Moscow Art Theater, Chekhov and Gorky. And and so you, you run into some names that you know, but not, it's like once they get to America and they start talking about the three major American teachers of method acting, who were Lee Strasberg, Stella Adler, and Sanford Meisner. 
and and then there were a whole bunch besides that but what's really what really strikes me is interesting about this book is that it's the subject is so hard to pin down i mean even even these people can't really say what the method is <laughs> what you know and they they ended up the three of them ended up at odds with each other because they each had their own interpretation of it. Stella Adler actually went to Stanislavski while he was still alive. He was in Paris at the time and she spent a month with him working on, and she claims that, oh, he explained it all and it's, and it's all clear to me now and I understand it. And apparently he gave an interview sometime after that and it oh, said, oh, some American woman came and she wanted me to do so. I don't know what the heck she wanted from me. She just kind of kept bothering me and she was kind of crazy. <laughs> so yeah, very different interpretations. Very, the, the idea, fundamentally, method acting is trying to crawl inside the character psychology. And it, it was different from the the, the kind of acting that was done before was is described as external acting. It's where where you figure you create a character by external things, by appearance, by costume, by makeup, by physicality. Uh, you know how the character walks or sits or moves, but essentially it's it's all external. The method actors was all what is the character feeling, and there was a lot of debate on whether or not you dig into your own psyche and explore it and call up every piece of, of trauma from your past to put into the characters, which is basically what Lee Strasberg is often accused of doing. There was, there's a lot of mentioned, there were always accusations about the fact that he literally, if an actor wasn't very stable to start with, that he could probably put them over the edge. With, his, <laughs> with some of this and and others who said oh no it's 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 pure imagination that you use to get into the characters I means so there's a there's a lot of discussion about that it does get when you get into this section on american actors if you're it's fun because you're reading about people you know i mean some of the great proponents of method acting from the 50s 60s 70s were Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, uh, people. So it's names you know. Marlon Brando, especially. Yeah, yeah. They talk a lot about Brando in here, and it's not at all a kind of dishy Hollywood book. I mean, it's very serious. So if you're if you're like if you're into celebrity gossip and you want to know about Ariana Grande licking the donut, this is not your kind of book. This is. <laughs> This no, book is, really? is definitely, although it did take one of my favorite little acting stories and kind of debunk it. And actually, the one of the, the great stories that I've heard about the clash between external and internal actors was supposedly came about when Dustin Hoffman and Laurence Olivier made the movie Marathon Man. And if any of you have seen that, if you have a fear of dentists, never see that movie. You will never get your teeth worked on again in your life. It's yeah, it's terrifying. pretty it's pretty brutal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Laurence Olivier came out of the classic actor training where it was external. Dustin Hoffman was a real method man. And the story the story that was always told was that Hoffman was in order to look as frazzled and 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 absolutely devastated as his character was in the course of this movie that he stayed up all night and he he did he would go out and run miles and miles and and not allow himself to sleep like for three days at a time and he'd come onto the set and look like hell i mean he he had because he's playing a character who's being tortured and and so he would come to looking like hell and supposedly olivier looked at him one day and said my dear boy have you ever thought about trying acting <laughs> but that's not true and, huh well apparently it was it was true but it was not in the snarky kind of way that it's often told what wow. what they said was actually olivier was just concerned he was concerned that and dustin hoffman has apparently said in interviews since then that it was partly it was method but it was also it was kind of an excuse so that he gave himself to stay up all night and go party at studio nine uh -huh. or studio 54 or whatever mm -hmm. you know <laughs> it was, and, and that that really olivier was just kind of concerned for his well-being and was saying don't yeah yeah <laughs>
you don't it's interesting that, that you said that because I don't know if, um, if any of you guys watch Succession on HBO, but there's an actor in that, that who won a, an Emmy for his portrayal of one of the sons in the, and his name's Jeremy Strong. And he apparently is full on method mm. and it, it drives his co-stars nuts. And they did an interview with Brian Cox who plays the lead. And he's just like, I worry about that guy because he just, he's like Olivier, it's just acting. You don't need to torture yourself. There was a story in this New Yorker profile of Jeremy Strong where he was in the movie, uh, the Chicago seven movie that Aaron Sorkin directed. And there's a scene in, in Chicago when the police are arresting protesters and firing tear gas. And Jeremy Strong wanted Aaron Sorkin to actually fire tear gas on him. Oh, my God. And Aaron Sorkin's like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know, he wanted to be so authentic that he actually wanted to be blasted with tear gas. <laughs> so, like you said, Pat, I mean, the method is is not as accepted or, or as used, but it's certainly, there certainly are actors out there. Like I, like I read that Lady Gaga for House, House of Gucci spoke in this Italian accent for like three or four months. Yep, she and did. And wouldn't, wouldn't not, yeah, didn't help her performance. But. No, it certainly did not. Didn't help the accent <laughs> either, but. but it, yeah, it's it. And uh, like, well, Daniel Day-Lewis, this yep. famous oh, yeah. book, not famous. coming Christian out Christian Bale or yeah, ever. A lot of, yeah, and uh, the other thing that's interesting in this book and I, that I wish, well, there, there needs to be another book to pursue it because they tie in the change in acting style and the change in, in how the actors work to changes in the movie industry, like the birth of the blockbuster movie with Jaws mm -hmm. and, and, how, and certain changes there. But what I thought was really interesting was just kind of a side comment, but it was about politics and how politics changed when when uh television stepped in and became popular just to to read a real quick note here by 1960 john f kennedy and richard nixon were no longer running for president but auditioning for the role of president and Whoa. i thought Ooh. and that's and deep how how politics perceive they are. I mean, that's I'm, exactly I'm, right. I am absolutely convinced that the only reason that Trump got elected was because he was a reality TV yep, star. That's it. And you know what? The and, whole apprentice thing was a total sham anyway. It was supposed to be funny. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But I've read political books that say the same thing. Mm -hmm. That That's about JFK and um, Nixon. That's about when they started televising elections and everything else and they said that the reason why jfk won is because he was good looking prettier yep because he was taller a better prettier. looking guy yep mm -hmm. nixon had nixon. that five o'clock shadow and he looked horrible on camera yep. and he always yeah. was sweaty. sweaty they said he was always sweaty yep and i mean when you just candidates who are on too the radio short. candidates who are too short are not going to win same thing they talk about presidents like before it was televised, that never would have been president because of the way they looked. Mm -hmm. People didn't know FDR was in a wheelchair. For yeah. The most part. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. They but, said that if people would have known that, he never would have been elected. Yep. Because it doesn't show strength and people are stupid. Yeah. Which but, is sad because it has nothing to do with that. But nope. That's a whole nother discussion. And, uh, and interest and Meryl Streep, who we all say there's the like the penultimate actor of of our generation or of the current generation, she didn't she was not a method actor. She she spent three years at the Yale School of Drama, had a different acting teacher every year, and they each had a different approach. And so she said, I never got any particular system. I've got a little bit from this one and a little bit from that one. And and maybe that's a way to do it. And, Maybe, yeah, certainly worked for her. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But again, they said she also would, that when she was prepping for Sophie's Choice, she spent like three months immersing herself in the Polish language and learning to, I mean, 
she does accents like nobody else. So yeah, I, I yeah, think a lot of that. She speaks German, is, Polish, and, yeah. and English accented. You know, yeah. She speaks three languages essentially. In that movie. I think I think a lot of yeah. that though is is it's like singing either you can hear you have an ear yeah, for it or you, you have don't. an ear for yeah. it or you don't which is why some people no matter how hard they try they just can't do it mm -hmm. so well i'm but looking it, forward to reading that one pat I, I did buy it a couple of weeks ago and i've sort of not opened it but now i'm really intrigued by it and i heard him on fresh air the author isaac butler and he was really great so it's uh, it's pretty i mean it's it's a deep dive into the subject and and What's really kind of frustrating is that by the end, there's really no conclusion. There's, it's sort of, well, this person thought this and this person thought that, and it worked for some people and it didn't work for other people, but it's pretty interesting. And, yeah, yeah, and, and in some ways, it's, yeah. that's a good thing though, because it's there's nothing worse than a book that gives you, this is the answer, when clearly it's not. So, I mean, the fact that it, that it was ambiguous is reality. Yeah. And you, you do get a lot about theater history in there. I mean, both the, both the Russian and the American theater. So if you're, if you are into theater and you really are into the, especially into the background of it, it's a very well done book. And that is the method, how the 20th century learned to act by Isaac Butler. Okay, I'm going to review a book called Tell Me an Ending by Joe Harkin. And this is a debut, my fave. And it is a dystopian novel that kind of, I think it's a near future type. I don't remember the exact dates that they list in here or if they're ever listed, but it feels like it's a very near future novel. It deals with four different characters who are dealing with memory issues. And in, is your dog, that, she's she snoring or just making noise? She's just making noise. She's awake, oh. but she's propped up. My dog can't hear the noises that she makes, okay? She doesn't know that she's snorting right now. Well, it sounds like she's really, really enjoying my review, if you know what I mean. <laughs> 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 oh. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> no, that that's me. me. Sorry. That was me. I got my, my hands-free device going right now. <laughs> got your buzzing panties on? Yeah. Uh. Why do you think I keep reaching over here to the remote? <laughs> <laughs> your eyes keep going really wide. <laughs> so anyway, um, it deals with four different characters basic main characters who are dealing with memory issues and you kind of find out there is a memory deletion technology that's involved in this as well where they're able to go in and they do it while you're semi-awake-ish so that they can tell you to think about the thing that they want to delete and then they can watch the brain light up in that area and then they can so that if you stop thinking about that thing, then it stops. I don't know. I don't know what the exact technology is, but it was cool anyway. But you pretty, pretty quickly figure out that there's something very wrong with these four main characters. One of them, it's, it's a guy who is convinced that his wife is cheating on him. And, but that's, that's a fairly common thing, right? So you don't really, I didn't really think that much of it at, at the beginning to why he was so freaked out about it but you know people get paranoid um there was a one girl she visited a place and she felt like she'd been there before I mean to the extreme and I know that's happened to me before where when I was in Maui I went to a hotel and I knew the hotel I knew right where everything was and it was freaky as shit um, but I think I must have seen a, I don't know, a travel video or I don't know what the hell, but that's one example. So everybody's kind of felt that deja vu where you feel like you've been there before. Well, there's this one girl who feels she's in this city and she knows she's been there. She feels like she's been there before. And then there's a, a girl who she runs into these friends of hers at, a cafe and 
they're really pissed off at her and she can't figure out why. And they're like, well, you just ditched us in Amsterdam. And she's like, I've never been to Amsterdam. So stuff like that kind of happens to these people. There's a cop who one day on his job, he's, he's looking at these crime scene pictures and he gets PTSD because he sees this picture of this little girl who's dead and he has no relation to her, whatever. He's never seen her before. He, but for some reason he's totally like freaked out about this picture and he feels like he can't do his job anymore because of it. So things like that, there's, that's the basic gist of these four characters. So they don't know they've had their memories removed. Exactly. So there is this company, you find out that they do two kinds of memory removal. The ones that they did in the beginning, where there were some where they allowed them to do the memory deletion cold, which means they would come and get them in the middle of the night and take their memory and then put them back type thing. So they wouldn't, and, and they'd asked to not remember that part. So it was a complete memory removal. Well, the only problem with that is, as you know, there are filaments everywhere of that memory. It's not just that one moment. There's all kinds of other stuff that, that goes into it, which is really, you really start to see the extreme and there's also some nefarious things that go on in there as well. So just a really interesting deep dive into the technology of this mem- memory deletion company. And all of the victims of it. And in some cases, the people who they ended up, end up asking, you know, do you want to know what you wanted to forget? And the, some of them are like, no. I don't want to know because there's a reason I didn't want to know. So it really, it really kind of felt like a black mirror episode or something. It was really cool. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I read it really quickly and I loved all of the characters. It was just one of those books that it's, it's, it was so close to our time now where it felt like it could really happen. You know what I mean? It didn't feel like it was that near future. There wasn't anything super futuristic about any of it. So it was it was really cool. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really fun book to read. So so these people have had so they have had memories removed. They don't remember the memories. Well, some of these but, people but- these people, the main characters, didn't realize that they had had the procedure done because they'd asked not to remember it. So they're trying to find out why they had these memories removed? No. Um, they know that they've got something wrong. So it's like this existential, you know, dread or... They, they know something's not right all the time, but they don't know what it is. And it's like, they don't know they've had the procedure done. Mm. Uh, but then there are other people who, you know, have memories taken out and they know they've had memories taken out. So it's almost like, sure, you don't want to know, but you need to know type thing. Because it's not as clean cut as, as they and thought And some it of the be. things that happen when, because the company has to pay to have the memories put back. Mm. And some of the stuff that happens after that is just, I'm, I'm not going to talk about any of that because it would ruin, it, you know, too much of a spoiler, but holy shit. How do you store memories? I'm curious about that. You know what? I, I, I don't know whether it's, they weren't completely removed and they just, kind of move, remove the connection or I, I don't know mm. that much about the exact it doesn't sound like that would work to me I had the same feeling as you can't put it back if you took it away it's like brain damage is it always done at the request of the person who's losing the memory or can you have someone else's memories removed 
no, they have to give consent. But the problem, I mean, there was one, one case where the girl, the Amsterdam girl, her mother knew that she'd had it done. And she, she had discussed it with her mother beforehand. And they agreed that this was, you know, the thing to do. And her mother knows what the secret is. Her mother knows, you know. So it would be a situation like that. Uh, as well where but I mean like the guy who thinks his wife is cheating he's unsettled all the time and he's looking for all of this stuff uh, I don't know it's it's really interesting to consider all of the things that the mind can do and possible future technologies that might allow you to forget something unpleasant is really kind of a an, uh, a really great topic of conversation I think yeah, I'm, I'm in my mind now. I'm thinking, is there anything in my past that I would love to not remember? I mean, there's a there's a caveat where they say you can't get rid of childhood memories because they're just too deep. There's too much connection between everything. So, you know, there's there's that as well. So it, it has to be like a, a fairly recent thing in order to get it removed. So you can't forget your entire childhood or anything. Mm-hmm. Anytime you talk about that kind of thing with the memories, it makes me think of Total Recall. That's all I can think of yep. the whole time. Total Recall. Is Total um, Recall. There's, there are, there's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Memento. I mean, there's a ton of different times where I've seen this approached in movies and books. But I felt like this one was really unique. I didn't give it five stars, but I did give it a really strong four and maybe even a four and a half because I really thought about it a lot. You know, it's, that's sort of how I decide whether or not a book is, is worthy of getting a higher rating. It's how, I, how long I thought about it afterwards and how I felt about it when I was reading it. And I had a strong connection to this book and it gave me a lot of stuff to think about. Because there have been times in my life where I'd be like, you know, if I could just forget about that, forget it ever happened, let it completely go and it wouldn't affect me at all. But be careful what you wish for. I think that's really the way you look at lots of things in your life. Just be careful what you wish for. And that's called Tell Me an Ending by Joe Harkin. It's a debut author. And yes, I need a copy for my shelf. I'm going to have to go to full circle and request that they get me a British first edition because she is British. That sounds really good. I'm, I want to read that. Now. It was good. It was, it was, I would, I would recommend it to people who don't even read science fiction. And that's kind of rare for me because a lot of times people get hung up on the details, but it's so much about the characters. Yeah, I know, Vani, you shouldn't probably read it because <laughs> you can't Google I'm- that shit. It's not. It sounds interesting. <laughs> it hasn't really happened I, yet. Yeah, it hasn't really happened. Unless I can read a book on how to remember the things that I forgot when I was blackout drunk, <laughs> then <laughs> it's probably not going to help me. Yeah. Yeah. I would think I would like, you know, like to have like song lyrics from 1975 removed so I can remember what I went into the kitchen for. Yeah, (laughs) if only it worked that way, Donna. Those are two separate areas of the brain. The bird brain, which remembers lyrics. I wish, I wish, I wish we could just put a new SD card in and up our. Oh, this one's full. Speaking of which, I think I've read a book about (laughs) that. (laughs) That's why I like science fiction so much, because you know I have that hope that one day I'll just be able to put a chip in my ear. And uh, I need to, you know, add, I just add need a little to bit more download memory. this information it's from the mainframe yep. to a USB to save for Take later. Take this horrible memory out and put it on the, put it on the file right there, so I'll never have to look at it again. Oh, I'm still waiting for the flying cars from the Jetsons, so. Well, or they, from Back to the Future. Well, they do have flying cars now, but you have to have a pilot's license to drive one. <laughs> so, is it really a car? That's my whole thing. Really, I think we're not going to get the Jetsons until we get the self-driving car 
melded with drone technology and then they'll have that figured out because then you won't have to rely on pilot knowledge you can just drone yourself to work every day i just want a rosie and one of those conveyor belts that gets you ready from work (laughs) that dumps you out of bed and you sit in a seat and then you drink your coffee and then you're in the shower and then it blows dries you and then boom you have clothes and you're on your way to work i've got that you don't have that now the conveyor belt no you know what i like i like the futurama where she sprays her pants on (laughs) you know the spray on pants she goes oh man i've ruined my pants spray some new ones on me (laughs) yeah like my outfit that's what i'm waiting for i don't think it'd be a good idea for me to have my pants that tight (laughs) <laughs> but they wouldn't be pants <laughs> they have that too it's called silicone yeah no but the technology would be um you know sort of like an invisibility cloak where you could make it be whatever you wanted you know you could make it blend in with the background you could walk around as a disembodied head if you wanted that'd that be, would be kind of fun that'd be cool it would freak people out yeah the one i want was from the uh from the andromeda TV series with the one woman who had the nanobots in her hair and she could just shake her hair and change to any color she she could make it plaid if she wanted to cool (laughs) imagine whatever she wanted and do and just shake and it would change it was like that that would be pretty awesome everybody absolutely practically useless but fun (laughs) right who cares about the important stuff we just want something that's going to get us ready for work flies us to work and we can shake our heads and our no, hair does whatever the hell we with want. that i want that I, all the time i want the rosie at my house cleaning shit up that's what i want yeah i want i'd rosie. get rid of all the rest of it if i had a rosie rosie gets a little snippy though sometimes don't I care think. if she's cooking my dinner i don't care i want rosie but i want her to have a russian accent how about that <laughs> that's I think oddly that would be that's cool. oddly specific <laughs> <laughs> it's because oh, I, you have Russian I, fetish. Very I, nice Russian fetish. Oh, readers live a thousand lives, and in past, present, and future, isn't it fucking awesome? Yeah, show. And in your your um, Rosie would be like, your son is using your toilet again. She <laughs> yeah. calling me up on her yeah. on her built-in cell phone. Make him clean up after himself. Tell your son to quit using the toilet. I am not cleaning that up. You don't pay me enough for that. Mine would complain about the cat puke. Yeah. Ah, yeah, there's the cat puke. I will not clean up the cat puke. And Donna's would be complaining about her dog eating the toilet paper again. (laughs) I don't know what he has against toilet paper, Donna. But it seems like about once a week, she posts a picture of Santos shredding a roll of toilet paper. It's a Cocker Spaniel thing. A lot of Cocker Spaniels are, are obsessed with paper, any paper product. Oh! Yeah, at least it's clean toilet paper. <laughs> My friend who had an elk hound. I think he was an elk hound. God, that dog was an asshole hated that fucking dog they went on vacation and i was supposed to watch the dog and i'm not a big dog person anyway and he had pulled all of the sanitary napkins out of her bathroom trash and eaten them and then barfed them up on the fucking floor that's gross zoe gets into the bathroom trashes i need to make sure that my trashes are empty all the way empty or i just shut the doors to come on now admit it dogs are gross they're gross echo doesn't they have no boundaries at all it's because it they can smell i don't care that grosses me out oh my god Santa's tried to bring a dead possum in our house once. (laughs) (laughs) I think you get the prize. You get the prize, Donna. Dead possum, that's a big prize. That is a big prize. Yeah, he had killed it, so he was really proud. He he shook it to death. He just wanted to show it off. Yeah, look what I brought you. Let's have have this for dinner. (laughs) Stick it in the pot, Mom. (laughs) Possum stew Mm. in the slow cooker. Yum, 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 yum. yum, Either that or... 
He just wanted to know why his toy wasn't moving anymore. I can't understand why it quit moving. Fix it, Mom. Put the batteries back in. <laughs> well, it was awesome. You never know. I was afraid he was going to bring it in and put it down, and it was going to just try to walk away. <laughs> I at least scrubs his back clean. If we leave, if you leave a wet washcloth like on the on the edge of the bathtub, he will every night. He'll come in, take that washcloth off take it out to the bedroom, drop it in the middle of the bedroom floor. And when you're downstairs, you can hear him. He's scrubbing his back on that washcloth. He Aww. throws himself down on it. And just, <laughs> yeah, does that, does that thing. And you come down and his back is damp and you go up into the washcloths in the middle of the bedroom floor. It's like the dog scrubs his back. He's I just very clean. Oh my God, that's Only bizarre. That, part of him, though. that is so bizarre, Pat. <laughs> well, not the for only anything clean part else. of my dogs is their wieners because they obsessively clean those. <laughs> That's it, though. Clean well, weenie. Shiny. <laughs> I think if guys could bend that way, they would have pretty clean oh, weenies, They would too. never leave the house. No. <laughs> they would obsess... If, if they could reach, they would obsessively clean their wieners with their tongues, too, so... It's still dirty. I don't even there's know if that's a There's still a little dirt thing. on there. There's still some dirt. I think dirt. that's a male thing. Yeah. Give well, it... they're pride of those weenies. They have to make sure they're nice and clean. You never know when you're going to have to take a pic and send it off. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have her camera ready all the time. Exactly. You have to make sure that that thing is made up. Ready. Made up. Ready for some company. <laughs> Get out the lipstick. <laughs> Make sure it looks good. Make sure it's nice and contoured because you want it to look bigger. Oh, my God. Now that you've given tips on how to properly photograph a penis, I think that's going to do it for Three, three book, book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.